Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazni Lambray. Joining me, as always, my comrades, my, my compatriots, Nando Vila, out in Santa Monica, about to hit, get some rays, hit the waves um, from 4th of July, even though the governor closed the beaches. He's a rebel, so he's going to do it anyway. Oh, and yeah. on the planet <laughs> of Brooklyn, Michael Jamal Shabazz Abdul Brooks. What's good, fellas? How's it going, baby? I'm good, man. I missed you guys. Um, on today's show, Van Jones got his got caught with his hand in the cookie jar. <laughs> we're gonna talk about why that's emblematic. Again, we're trying to we try to be consistent on the show, but what liberalism actually means uh, in 2020? Of course, we want we're gonna continue to talk about Jamal Bowman's. Big win out in the Bronx, New York. Uh, but but mainly we want to talk about the left's brand new, you know, strategic strategic arm uh, infrastructure on the left that allowed for this victory to actually take place. Uh, but first, man, we got to get into it because normally we try not to be the show that covers what's happening on, you know, the 24-hour news shows and, um, you know, basically New York Times, the big sort of lefty media arms and the kind of things that they go crazy for because I feel like you're getting enough of that on a day-to-day basis that we don't need to do that here on the Woke Bros. But I think it's important we talk about Russiagate Part 2 here so that our listeners are armed with a sort of lens, the lens that you need to view this thing through and why it's so stupid and counterproductive how this thing is being covered. And Nando, I want to kick it to you to just talk about, just give the viewers a brief refresher of you know what this all is because it's like trump he's talking about not getting a briefing or getting a briefing about russians doing what they do abroad essentially like this and again not to say it's not controversial it's not fucking this is what they do this isn't new news this isn't this is what they've done in syria this is what like they've done it everywhere this is 
what they do in the region, right? Like, this isn't new information that voters need to know about. This isn't um, some brand new quote-unquote scandal. This is some fake-ass gotcha shit with, you know, 45 that they think is this crazy thing that they need to spend hours covering. Um, Nando, could you give the people just a brief overview of what's happening over there? So this was a story broken by the New York Times, and it was basically attributed to national intelligence sources. I believe it was really just, if you kind of drill down on it, it was really just one source in sort of an, an intelligence community. And basically what they're saying is that some Russian state entity is paying <laughs> is paying people in Afghanistan to like kill American soldiers. I mean, it's basically Bounty Gate. Remember Bounty Gate in the yes, NFL? That's, um, dude, every time I heard about this, I was thinking about the NFL. I was thinking about the New Orleans Saints and Jonathan yeah, exactly. Vilma, a great yeah. Haitian professional football player yes. who got railroaded University of by Miami, this. Yes, the U, a yeah. big hurricane who got railroaded by this. And so this story in a roundabout way, even though it involves <laughs> Russian yeah. President Trump, made me think of the great Jonathan Vilma. But continue, right. Nando. So and and so the the implication is that the the Russians are uh, paying Afghanistan Afghan you know people soldiers whatever um, Taliban people to kill American commandos and GIs in Afghanistan. So the implication that the liberals are kind of saying is like, well, why, why you need to do something about this? You know, like what well, we need to do something about this. We can, we can, this aggression cannot stand, <laughs> you know, we got to draw a line in the sand or whatever. And it's like, first of all, if this story is even true, because there's a good chance it might not even be true or that it might be misleading, you know, that it might be some kind of, maybe it was a Russian person. It doesn't mean that it's like Vladimir Putin kind of ordering this from on high. It's not as, you know, the Russian state is not as monolithic uh, as as it's painted out to be here. Um, and, and then, but the implication is like that we're in Afghanistan and they're killing us. And if it's because, and it's, they're killing us because Russians are paying, like what? Like we've been there since 2001. <laughs> We've killed over a hundred thousand people there. Uh, you know, like we have the fucking business there in the first place. Like, what? Are we, like, this is what are we arguing about? This is ridiculous. Like, we we have no business there at all. Um, what are we going to do to Russia? Any like, what's the implication? Should we invade Russia? I mean, we, no. We're going to do more sanctions on Russia. They, there's plenty of sanctions on Russia. Uh, we're going to do more. Like, what are we going to do? Like, fire a cruise missile into Moscow? Like, you know. So it's just like it's used by the it's it's been seized upon by the liberals as kind of like the latest example that Trump is in Putin's pocket and that he won't stand up to him and he won't do the you know the bad thing to Putin because he has the PP tape or whatever on him and it's like guys you're do you realize that you're creating this environment in when in which like if a democrat now wins they're going to have to do some sort of aggressive thank you Thing toward you. Russia, like if not, they're just going to be seen as like total Putin cucks or something. And no one questions whether that's like a wise thing strategically or even morally or even in, on any level. You know, it's just assumed that we have to do all the bad things towards Russia all the time. And the implications of that are never really discussed. You know, what would a war with Russia look like? Not a good one. They're a nuclear power. You know, they, you know, they still have all those nukes from when they were the Soviet Union. So, I don't know. And and another thing that that I don't think (laughs) gets talked about enough is this concept of a country putting money in the pocket of the enemy of somebody who they see as a bother or going against what their aims um, seem to be in that region. I.e., like the I did at America has never put money in the pockets of people so that they can go out and do the job of, well, you know, servicing a Charlie, need. Remember Charlie Wilson's war? That's what that was about. <laughs> Literally in Afghanistan, <laughs> funding the people who were fighting uh, the Soviet Union in Afghanistan in the 1980s. I mean, that we've, I mean, of course, we've done it a bajillions and bajillions of times. So it's that. It's like there's always that for me, right? Like even with um, – Russiagate or even with 
the quote unquote Soviet interference where they where they propagandized American citizens on Facebook and blah 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 blah. Even if you posited that all of that was true, my 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 posture was always the same. It's just like, yeah, and yeah. like what what are we even talking like this is America like this idea that there wouldn't be misinformation campaigns or whatever against American citizens and the the answer wouldn't be well shit man why do we have a citizenry that's so susceptible to to just the dumbest shit on Facebook that's yeah. never the messaging yeah. that's never the answer well, it's like can you believe they got to Facebook it's like yeah. what <laughs> well the like, other thing you got to ask yourself I mean this is like Lebowski you know you know V.I. Lenin, you, you ask yourself who, who benefits and then you find out, you know, then you find out what's behind this. I mean, it's like just as Trump is talking about removing troops from Afghanistan. Right. That's like that's like what he's been kind of pushing for is to just get out of Afghanistan for once and for all, which we've been there since 2001. We are sending 20 American soldiers this year that were born after 9-11. Like, my God, yep. you know, Um Whoa, now there's this new thing coming from the very people who want to stay there forever um, about the bad thing that the Russians did that's just going to create the incentive for us to stay, you know, like uh, so. So, yeah, it's all in the just- New York Times. And again, as a story on its own, I get it kind of right. It's like, yo, isn't this crazy? That, you know, the Russians might be doing this thing in Afghanistan and then it's like, okay, but how it's being pushed is the president somehow failed in not being extremely reactionary and retaliatory. And this is being pushed by the quote unquote left of this country. I don't get it. It's not like the New York Times could ever learn its lesson from Iraq in which they were publishing. Oh my God, uh, forget about it. Intelligence sources about the big bad guy at the time. um, And that didn't bite them in the ass. So they would never. that's, That's like, that's the thing that just bothers me though, is that how do these stories just the fact that people just believe U.S. intelligence claims or any intelligence. After all these years. That's that's what really disturbs me too is because now there's like a whole other – like everybody always ends up getting pissed at me because I just don't indulge anything, right? So it's like on the flip side, like I'm covering China and it's like, yeah, there's serious abuses of the Uyghur population. And like, no, that's not all like a fake – like – of course, the CIA and U.S. sources are using it, of yeah. course, to pursue yeah. their own ends. The weaponization of human rights is a mainstay in propaganda for U.S. foreign policy. It doesn't mean it isn't true. And I, I'm just amazed, like, not to go off on a tangent, but, like, the fact that people could see that story and their first thought isn't who benefits, how does this really I make sense— because honestly, it does. I mean, the United States and Russia have had a convergence in Afghanistan and Afghanistan, you know, at least the, certainly in the beginning, you know, there was a there was definitely I mean, Iran cooperated with them to get rid of the Taliban. And it also just I don't know, man, like this, this kind of like childish conversation about Russia blows my mind, like. The fact that adults could still talk about a country in this way. Like I I actually just yeah. read, like I'm reading, I'm trying to read more books in quarantine. I just read a biography of of your former governor, actually, that was kind of like a biography of Jerry Brown, but also basically like the modern story of California. And one of the tangents I thought which you were talking about Chris. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. Definitely not. Definitely not. Definitely not. But, uh, no, but Jerry Brown was like, because he's, I guess, one of the things he's doing since being governor is he took control of some big arms control organization. And, you know, he's, again, like very mainstream, you know, like he's a little countercultural, but he's a conservative Democrat. But in this book, he's just like, yeah, like I don't, I don't know. You know, basically, he wasn't even questioning the Russia Gate thing per se, but he's like, yeah, but you know, there's nuclear weapons. Like, right, yeah. we got to work with these guys. We got to deal. We with have them. no choice. Got to do stuff. Like, this is about literally the capacity of the planet and the population to sustain itself. So I just can't get 
too into this or that bullshit. I'm trying to like make sure we don't have a nuclear conflict. Yeah. And this is something that Anna Kasparian tweeted out. She was very frustrated by this story, but like, yeah, yeah, right. it's like she tweeted out, like it was just like, how long ago was it that, that the Washington post published the uh, the Afghanistan papers, you know, just this massive leak uh, to, the, to, uh, to the Washington post in which they basically prove beyond any doubt that the United States government has lied every single step of the way on Afghanistan. <laughs> and this is like oh, the Bush administration, the Obama administration, and the Trump administration. Every single piece of news about the Afghanistan war and the nature of that war and the way the U.S. has conducted itself in that war, when it came out, was bullshit. It was all just lies, straight up, you know? And so to just read that and see that we've been there for 20 years in which everything that we've been told about it is essentially bullshit and then just have this obviously bullshit story come out and everyone be like well look at that gee the old putin's at it again it's you also, know it's I, like i also like and and the other thing too that's just so disgusting to me is that policymakers and the whole uh defense apparatus obviously don't care about soldiers because oh. it doesn't have any class oh, opposition of the military. I mean, this is like the this is the story, you know, at least uh, definitely since Vietnam, at least um, of just like, yeah, that's not my kid who's going to get murdered, who's going to have their limbs blown off. So there's this really sick like and, and I might get in trouble for this, but I'm just trying to be really blunt. There's this sick like on one hand, everybody's willing to use like, you know, say that they care about people in the armed forces while sacrificing their lives and having absolutely no substantive care for them. Yep. And then on the other hand, and I don't, you know, like, look, I know, I literally know people who have been seriously injured in overseas conflict and it's fucking disgusting. And I consider them victims of U.S. foreign policy. And at the same time, like, this is the same thing that happened when Soleimani was assassinated. I'm not saying he's like a good dude, but this is what happens. You're in conflict zones. People are in conflict. Soldiers target each other. People get bombed. People get shot. People get their legs ripped off. People place IUDs. People call in drone strikes. IEDs. IUDs. That that it's so American to, on one hand, be completely unserious uh, <laughs> and frivolous and treat all of our troops' lives as just like expendable pawns and whatever like stupid harebrained squeak scheme or self-licking ice cream cone we have going on. And then on the other hand, when just like the reality of the conflict hits it, it's like, oh, I can't believe that. How could you do that? It's like, well— because like, you're war. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like we're what? there. We are there. It's like, oh my God, they're shooting at us, Jack. <laughs> you know, like, like, they're what? shooting at us. Like, yeah, that's that's what happens. That's what happens. <laughs> when it's you called- and, yeah. and and just so again, because we need to make it clear for the people who are listening, just so you know, when you ask yourself, well, shit, man, why would all these military leaders and all these politicians be cool with perpetuating a war for 20 years that literally makes no sense. We have no reason to be there. There's no existential threat. When they say, when they, when these, when people go on TV and talk about the troops fighting for our freedoms abroad, yeah. that is not what's happening in the country of Afghanistan. Nobody's fighting for your right to have, you know, two liter sodas. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's like, well, yeah, Pete, well, Pete Buttigieg said, like, you know, I did not go to Afghanistan uh, so that, I, you know, so you could tell me that, like, I've defended, like, my freedom of speech, you know. It's like, how was, like, the fucking Pashtun villager that you murdered it's not, uh, affecting your freedom of speech in any way, shape, or form? If you have any reason, if you have any doubt as to why we're over there, just take one gander at our military budget and you'll automatically understand it. It's a freaking money pit. This is one of those like 90s kind of things where it's like, hey man, did you know that the richest county in America is where the Pentagon is, man? You know, like... Right. Yes. 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 That's That's why. That money in our budget goes directly into these cats' 
pockets, you know, and it's not just ex-military guys. It's straight up just private industries yeah. that we pay to straight up, you know, to prop up these these quote unquote wars that we're carrying out and the infrastructure of those wars. Again, these aren't just like government agencies. These are people with these are companies with government contracts. Yeah. They they are just private industries, private citizens making money over there. That's yeah. why we do it for 20 years for no freaking reason. And that's the end of my soapbox. And so, you know, we just wanted you guys, when you turn on MSNBC or CNN and you see like, what the president, he got a briefing. When did he get a briefing? This is what they're talking about just at the root it. of it. And just and this idea that this shit hurts Trump is, is crazy. We see what hurts Trump. Coronavirus, the economy, the terrible response, the feeling of chaos out there, the feeling of uncertainty amongst the citizens. That shit hurts him. This will not hurt him one bit. It will not hurt him at all. And that's why it's just so stupid that people are pursuing this in the way that they are. Um, anyway, on to better news or more in um, more... I can't even think of the word right now, but better, basically better news, better news. and something yeah. more important, honestly, quite frankly, if you care about um, actual left politics in America, uh, Huffington Post, and I forget the reporter's name, Jesus. I hope Daniel Morans. Daniel Morans. This guy is always- Very good reporter. Very good Daniel reporter. Was it Marins? Marins. Yeah. He's a good dude. Extremely thorough in his work, as always. Um, he basically, you know, he talks about the win of Jamal Bowman in New York 16th. Um, but he doesn't just talk about the win. He talks about the infrastructure um, that has sprung up essentially out of Bernie Sanders' failed presidential campaign in 2016, which is why I feel like you could never call his two campaigns a failure. Mm -hmm. Just the things that has spawned from those damn campaigns and the energy from those campaigns. Um, it, it's like Jamal Bowman's election um, is basically going to be a baby of those of Bernie Sanders' campaign in 2016. And why that is, Nando, is because of all of these different apparatuses that now have sprung up when it comes in the form of polling, when it comes to in the form of, you know, marshalling money for campaign ads, when it comes to all of media these things, outreach, media PR. outreach, PR, all of these things that you absolutely need in order to run a, uh, an effective campaign, specifically when you're going up against entrenched moneyed power. You ain't just going to have your little plucky campaign knock door to door and think you're going to do this thing by yourself. It don't work like that, my man. You need infrastructure in order to achieve these ends. And all of these things have sprung up out of the Sanders campaign in 16. And, and so the, um, Jamal Bowman was recruited his district was, you know, identified as winnable for various reasons. And then resources were, were able to be marshaled and deployed in service of killing this. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like this level of organization is just, first of all, rarely ever freaking seen in the Democratic Party. They're just, they're just writ large. <laughs> and second of all, just on the left, this level of marshaling power um, in the right direction, in a focused direction, is it's the type of shit, quite frankly, we've been talking about on the show since we started it. Um, and and you know, and I just thought this article was fascinating in that regard. I just want to get you on some more stuff, Nando. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. So, like, when you if you if you talk to like uh, VC funders in Silicon Valley who are like placing bets, giving millions of dollars to right. like some guy who has an idea or whatever. Um, one of the things they always talk about and, you know, not to sound like a bullshit kind of self-help guy, but is like, they want to know about their previous failures. Like they don't want to know about anyone's previous successes. Cause that's like bullshit in a way, you know, like they want to know why they had failed in the past and what they learned from it. And I think that that's kind of what's going, what's starting to happen now <clears throat> Ever since the Bernie campaign kind of made left politics electorally viable in this country, there hasn't been a whole lot of success. There's been some successes, but there hasn't been a whole lot of success. But there has been a turn toward mass electoral politics. And tons of people 
have gotten involved in that process. And they're and just out of naturally out of that, after decades of just absolute absenteeism from the left in the United States, now we have people who do those kinds of jobs. It's just that's just the reality of it. Like and like you said, there's polling, there's um, PR, there's campaign strategy, like all these things that are kind of a um, it's I wouldn't call it a science, but it's there's there's some experience there. And, you you know, and there's some tricks that you can learn. You know, it's not like you just want to run for Congress and then you just sign up for the ballot and then you just do a camp. Like, no, you need like a million things. Um, so that that's definitely helpful. And, and, and you're starting to see independent left structures to in order to do that. I mean, is it in any way uh, com like comprehensive enough? No. And do we still have an incredibly weak labor un uh, movement? Yes. And that's still the main thing that we should be focusing on. But it is nice to see now that if you want, like a, if a Jamal Bowman kind of is around and available to run, that there is some sort of power structure that he can tap into to actually make that viable. And, you know, a lot of the organizations that they talk about in that piece. Obviously, we have tons of problems with a lot of them still. They're not like the world's most perfect organizations, but it's it's better than like the Democratic Party kind of deciding what goes. And it's just funny that they, the Democratic Party was like terrified of the AOC thing. So <clears throat> after that happened, they were like, anyone who <laughs> who works with a primary challenger <sighs> is going to get blacklisted. And they, it just completely boomeranged and hit them right back in the face because what that did was like, a bunch of people were like, okay, you know, if I don't have to work ever with the Democratic Party, I got nothing to lose. Um, I'm just going to go all in on the primary challengers, you know? Like it really, in a way, kind of created uh, this whole army of people who are willing to to do that kind of thing. So, so yeah, I mean, it's it's progress. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely encouraging progress on some level. There's still a long way to go, but it's a step. Yeah. I mean, I, I basically think the same thing. What I liked about it, and I, I have, you know, I want to look more specifically because, you know, some of the some of the people in that article, I'm not totally sure, to be honest, about their methodologies. And, uh, you know, like there's there's a lot of different work in the consulting world. And I think like we need to have a field prepared. <laughs> that being said... I think one of the paradoxes has been like some people get so involved in the process that it's, you know, it's like, oh, okay, like we're going to do left wing politics. And that means like we're throwing away everything. And that's silly because that, you know, that was my favorite part of the, that was my favorite certain, part of the piece, Mike. Yeah. You do certain things in politics, you know, like you, you should have polls. You should have uh, strong communications, not to in that, you know, sense that we usually think of it because either you're trying to like sell something that's garbage or you're trying to formulate what you think, but you're actually trying to seriously, strategically, you know, prepare. And I mean, it came particularly with Jamal Bowman and, I, and obviously with him. Uh, you know, he happens to also just be a particularly very like he is a charismatic and very like he's a talented political figure he's for got sure. A real political talent, and that's just not escapable. But I, I like the idea that okay, we're doing electoral politics, so therefore we should do electoral politics, and that means like you know a very ser serious and aggressive communications team, PR, and everything else, like. You know, one of the th I was joking with uh, Daniel Bessner about how, like, we we on the left, like everybody wants to read, and and you should, you should definitely read about like your favorite revolutionaries and this and that. And there's lessons to learn from everything. I, I'll learn a lesson from a Phil Jackson book or a Castro biography. Of but at the same time, like, I mean, I hate to say it, but like, you should also should be looking at what people like fucking Tony Blair were doing. Yeah. I mean, even. It's like already historically out of date, but the battles and things that they needed to do winning winning elections in the 1990s are more analogous to what you're dealing with than, Lenin. you know, than Lenin. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I, I like that part of it. On the other hand, like, I think, though, what it really reinforces to me is that, yeah, like Bernie was ahead of the rest of the left. Like oh, yeah. Bernie actually is a more popular person than most left wing politics. And there's still like a huge amount of work to do. And it's just it's really funny to see like 
the right wing is fear mongering and fantasizing like, oh, like Joe Biden's going to take marching orders from Bernie Sanders and AOC. Like, OK. And then there's something on the left who's like, you know, yeah, like we've won a couple of primaries. We're boom. And it's like, no, no. Like we're still very, and this article shows, and and obviously some of it's going in the right direction, but we are hugely in the capacity building, uh, you know, realm. And even like with the uprisings and the protests, like Bill Fletcher Jr. said to me last night on TMBS, he's like, demands get to be interpreted through those who have power determining what they mean. So we've already seen several weeks in really inspiring, really important, hundred percent. And there's a couple of municipalities where there's a little bit of reform happening. Maybe that's still a big question mark. And what's the rest of it? A new wave of all the fucking culture war bullshit and all of yep, the yep. trash and human resources departments and all of the trash. And we're, and we're changing the master media. bedroom so to the primary bedroom. <laughs> there isn't power yet, you know. So, Hank Azaria won't play a boo anymore. Yeah, Hank Azaria. Yeah, people went out <laughs> on the streets. In everything to you know to to face police <laughs> racism brutality class structure. I would also argue yeah. some of this we're seeing was like literally food riots, yeah. and and then some other things that you know obviously like the Chaz thing, which like obviously didn't turn out well, obviously. And but like all of this energy that is fundamentally about like at the very least divesting and reinvesting resources, radically shaking up law enforcement. So it's humane and democratic. Hank Azaria is not going to do a poo. And here's like a new <laughs> realm, you know, a new wave of. Four episodes of 30 Rock got taken down for blackface. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I just, I think like there, there's, I hate to like be that. It's, it's hard because like there's some people, it's like everything is a media position. So some people's media position is they're cynical and nothing works and everything's bad and nah, 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 nah. And that's not true. There's some good things or there's some potential. But at the flips on the at the same time, like, you know, I must I'm terrified when I talk to people who think that we're living through some era of like great victory. It's 80 percent setback, 20 percent progress. And the best thing about that article is really just, you know, all right, we're going to do electoral politics. Let's fucking be real about it. That's yeah. and and that's my favorite part, Mike, is sort of the real politic of it all. Um yes. the idea that they use the super super pack for commercials where it's just like, wait a minute, you came out against super packs well, and it's like, okay, how the fuck else am I gonna get this done? Even the <laughs> arguments against Bowman, Angle, right? They they the the things that really hurt Angle from the Bowman campaign were not the kind of things that we would necessarily care that much about. Like right. it's not that it wasn't his position on Israel or, you know, foreign policy more broadly. Yeah. It was the fact that he didn't hang around the district a lot, which is kind of like a an old school political trick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like 100%. that's the that's the trick as old as time. You know what I mean? Like at the and end of the day, like, who cares how much fucking time he spends in the district, really? You know what right. I mean? Like as long as he's delivering the goods and all that stuff. Um, but they hit him on like a kind of semi just not I don't it didn't lie about it, but it's like it wasn't like a super substantive critique is my point. They used kind of a political trick on him. A hundred percent. And even the stuff that I liked also was the idea that he would um, try to make inroads within the Jewish community in some substantive way and being like, yo, let me go find out the closest ally over there. Yeah. Yep. That Smart. I can just tell, tell people like, no, I'm aligned with, X, Y, and Z, actually yeah. a pillar in the community, may not share the same ideology as all of the leaders over there, but you can't take away the stripes, right? Um, it's almost like, you know, if somebody was trying to find somebody, this is just say some imaginary political figure, right, was like, I need to get a, a black figure on my side. And they assume that, you know, Al Sharpton, Reverend Al Sharpton and say a Reverend Barber are the same thing. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like having the wherewithal to understand like, yeah, I need a black person, but depending on where my ideology is, I need to find the right person in that community to align with. Like making those distinctions because there's an, there might be an attitude 
on um in some corners of the left where it's just like nah fuck that we're we're trying to divest from Israel we're trying to do this we're motherfucker you don't matter of fact you don't even need a single Jewish person on your on your freaking side you're just gonna go gung ho and do your Palestine thing and fuck winning the race and you know there's a way yeah. that that takes shape and that takes hold within the left that's so freaking annoying because it ignores everything you and I the three of us all know about human nature and coalition building. And like, it's just like, yo, actually doing the work, taking the time, being strategic and actually having it align with your freaking ideology and what you're actually already selling people. That to me spoke to me in a way that the discourse online will never freaking um, address. You understand? Because in the piece, they're like, yeah, you know, the district, you might hear 12% and think that's low, but like compared to everywhere else in the freaking country, no, that's a high um, percentage um, population or demographic wise. And these are people that we need to deal with. And these are people where we need to have our ducks in a row. What like, uh, yeah, like- that's exactly right. No, I, I, I liked, and I think that just really to me was, and it, and it's, and I say that as somebody who obviously like, I have a very left position on Israel, right? I'm, I'm someone who believes in one state, full democracy for all, but that's exactly it. Like, this is a real this and and by the way it's also a great rebuke on the other side cuz the play several years ago would have just been like all right like you're young you're black he's old he's white you're going to get out on the left side of him on some issues but oh whoa 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 like the first statement you make on Israel is to be like hey like how come Elliot Angle didn't call for killing a thousand kids yeah, in Gaza yeah, to a point? Yeah. like that would have been like no you got to out APAC him yeah. you like how what? like whoa like if you don't support ethnic cleansing you're a holocaust denier that's what you say like that was you know that was like de Blasio like when he was like Mr. Progressive you know, like he still, I mean, he, he was notorious for building alliances with the most, like, not just right wing, but like the most crazy wild shit about Israel. You can imagine in New York, which gets really wild. So, but they just found that they were, cause they were like, no, you're not going to, it's not going to be an ultra left posture, but it's not going to try to get him to the right. And not only is that going to fit with the rest of, again, let's be real. What was just like a, a solid center left campaign you're also going to um, start talking to, and I don't know about the district that much because they did say a lot of it was conservative and ultra, ultra orthodox, which is a different thing. But like, you know, a lot of like Jewish type voters that would be open to a Jamal Bowman candidacy at this point, that's where they're at. Like <laughs> he he hit that perfectly. He found exactly the right respected liberal Jewish organization. He talked with Peter Beinart. Again, it's not, you know, this isn't my politics, but that this is electoralism. You have to be. And the way they said that he did like she gave him like a, a, a report or something to read and he he briefed on it. He got it like he was like, basically, this is my way into this. It's just it's seriousness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, yo, OK, this is my way into this issue. Boom. Yeah. This is how I can. And the reason why you need to find your own way is so that you can then communicate it. Once it's something that you already have an understanding is like, oh, I see it. It's sort of like this own this um this other thing that I I have a deep understanding of. You can go on TV, you can go on radio, you can talk to a reporter from whatever paper and sound like you know what the hell you talking about. In a genuine way. And that's what and that's what's going to get it done. Not just, you know, speaking, talking points and doing all of that. But again, you know, we're asking for a lot here, obviously, because not only is this dude um, talented, but he understands the game quite clearly. And and so that's what you got. And that's why I was I found that article to be quite in. I enjoyed it because it was like, all right, man, like this is it. This is it. Strategy. Um, some yeah. people might call it cynicism, but I, I just call it strategy. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, and listen, at the end of the day, like at one point in the article, like they talk about how these left organizations were impressed with Bowman's kind of sincere progressivism or whatever, and we still need that in a way. Like at the end of the day, we still have to kind of trust these people to follow yep. through on whatever it is yep. based off of our opinion of them because we have no way of holding them accountable, really. You know what I mean? We don't have the, the powerful the power structures um in place to do that like where we could just like nominate whomever and they would have to kind of play ball just because if not they would be defeated um so we still have to you know like that's that was why i love bernie he's like you know bernie talks and you believe him like you believe that he's going to follow through on everything that he's talking about you know what i mean or at least kill himself doing it you know um whereas someone else you hear them talk and you're like wait a minute and we still have to kind of do that work of just discerning whether someone is full of shit or not <laughs> because but eventually if we do build up enough power structures independent of the democratic party or whatever to hold these people accountable you know once they get in office like that's when we'll really start building something real very well said um and lastly today you know we again this was a, a juicy sort of uh print media topic because van jones got caught, you know, being really cozy with the president's, um, you know, his little spawns, um, both Kushner and his son, his actual son. Kushner's just, I, yo, Kushner is a fascinating dude. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just say that. Like he's he, like his existence fascinates me. Like he, the the way he performs whatever the fuck it is he's doing over there publicly just is interesting to me it's just an interesting way to be um a conniving um (laughs) just weaseling piece of shit uh but anyway van jones of course uh (laughs) he praised some uh jared kushner memo policy write-up whatever the hell we're calling it uh, while not on TV, he did this shit while not disclosing the fact that he co-authored it um, and got caught and, and was paid for it and would co-authored it and was paid for it. Yeah. Right. It's, That's it's, the important it's, part. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, <laughs> it's obviously you're going to admire your own work, but more obviously publicly, you're going to speak well of the thing that you got paid to do. That's just goes without saying. Like that's that's just what it's always gonna be. Um, and he and he got and he, you know he's getting sort of raked through the coals in certain corners of of Twitter. But you know I wanted to talk to this with you guys, talk about this with you guys because again, it's an exercise in what liberalism actually is. It's going on TV, being a black dude and having the sort of every now and again, of course, landing on the right side of a certain type of issue. But more importantly, when it comes to liberalism, it's you speak a certain way. You went to the certain schools. You know, you can you can you can um, move in a room full of vultures, as Jay-Z would say, like perfectly. (laughs) Like you can perfectly move around high society, high liberal society. And part of part of being a part of high liberal society is that you're cool with military generals. You're cool with, you know, the dude that wrote the speech that got him. Of course, Jamie Dimon, of course. You're cool with, you know, Republican consultants or, um, you know, the dudes that wrote the speeches that got us in, that lied us into the war in Iraq. Like, you're fine with, because like, at the end of the day, we're all the elites, man. Come on. Yeah. You know, you got your side and I got mine, but we're all the best of the best here. That is the... That it's is the like, point it's of like liberalism. The wire. It's all it's all in the game. You it's know? all like, in the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this one is particularly funny because I mean, the Trumps are like, yeah, I mean, they're so ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's a picture of him with Eric Trump uh, from 2016 going, "Never Trump, except this guy," and they're like, you know, like hugging each other. It was Jesus the most embarrassing Christ. thing I've ever seen, and it just reminded me of. I mean, I guess Van Jones learned his lesson because in 
Um, I mean, we were talking about this off air, but when he came in with the Obama administration in 2008, he was fired after like two seconds um, as their green czar, environmentalism czar or something was the job that he was that he was hired for. And in 2009, he, he was pushed out because uh, some videos surfaced of him saying that Republicans are assholes. Um, and there was like, I think he called himself a Maoist in college, which is just it's just so funny to imagine that. Van Jones got fired from the Obama administration for being too left, you know, and now we see him. Uh, <laughs> well, he got, it was distorted. I mean, he got it was a Glenn Beck job. Totally. I yeah. mean, but that was like the implication, right? That they, 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 there was this crazy communist in the Obama administration who yeah, hates Republicans. Now is that he signed a 9-11 truth petition. Yeah. It's great. And so now but now he's. Uh, now he's doing business with the Trump administration. <laughs> it's so good, you know. Yeah, and it's just they're at, they're all they're all at the end of the day. What it is, I mean, liberalism is just dominated by careerist hacks, right? I mean, like just ultra careerist hacks, in which that's the only thing that matters. They don't believe in anything. It's just, I mean, it's that's that's really what it is. Yeah, I think the thing that just really annoys me specifically about Van Jones is that. I don't know how to put this, but I do think right now, particularly with just like the way everything is becoming an Internet subculture and there's no shared discourses, even when there are like actually huge shared interests like that kind of went out the window. Like I think Bernie was like the last person attempting to say, like, look, on some level, you know, there is like a 99 one percent thing when it comes to healthcare, as an example. Right. So that. You have a guy like Van Jones, who I think like does a bastardized, dishonest version of something that has some truth in it, which is like you need to build bonds between people. You can't look at everything in completely, you know, black or white terms, particularly like stuff that isn't, but just like so much of the silliness of day to day politics. But I mean, this guy, like, it's, I mean, Trump is. I mean, to do that with Trump and his yeah. family, and also, by the way, on a on a on a, it's an executive order, which is a, a, the biggest joke imaginable. Like chokeholds are banned unless a cop thinks his life's in danger. Do you? Could you be? Fit, let's just take this really basic. If you are physically in a position to put another human being in a chokehold, is your life in danger? Like definitionally? Yeah. Like, is that even? Literally, if you have that position taken, your life's not in danger. So I'm always like, like, look, if Van Jones had this personal report, this was like a couple years ago with, um, you know, Kardashian. She yeah. got that woman sprung from jail. So everybody had a problem with it. I didn't. I think no, we you had to shut the fuck up after the lady show. got out of jail. <laughs> yeah, like the results are the results. But this is just like, this is trash. This is like... There's a need to pretend that there's a response to this from the Trump administration. This is, of course, in the same context of this guy gassing protesters and threatening to put the military on the streets. So Van Jones, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It just, it just seems he just increasingly, you know, just to me, as of now, just comes off as just kind of like, like the liberal, like new agey cynic. Yeah, I, I just think... Particularly with the administration, I think back in maybe as far back as 17, right? Um, this, yeah, particularly 2017 when, when Trump took office, uh, there was this idea out there, especially amongst liberals of like, all right, if you are like, how do you treat people that go to work for the, this administration? Meaning if you are asked or, you know, somebody refers you to work in the administration, ostensibly you're doing a service for your country and you should therefore do it. Right. Um, <laughs> you should take the job for this horrible administration, just out of duty for the country. I think we've all progressed to understanding that that shit is out the window. You're yeah. not going to be allowed to do, quote unquote, good work within this administration. Like, I would love to, for people to show me the example of it happening. Just show me it happening. Show me somebody working with them and some general actual good coming of it. You can't show me. So you can't even claim that shit. 
of like, yo, I'm being a patriot right now. You're not. You're just getting used. You're a pawn, bro. Or you're not getting used. You're not a pawn. You're just, like Mike said, just completely and utterly cynical and getting a check. And then going out and praising this shit on well, TV. Well, that's the thing, like, you know, <laughs> on some basic level, if you're getting paid to say something, and you got to fucking, you know, that has to be just on the most basic level, you got to disclose that. Right. You know, like on any sort of, you know, you could you could make the argument maybe that if, you know, there was some maybe room to do something on criminal justice reform as as flawed and incremental as it might be, and then maybe it's better to get some good per- but you got to disclose that man you know like you can't just pretend it's you're not involved in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah i think we're gonna have to start a new segment on this show called this week in liberalism <laughs> it's just like it's just amazing um the kind of things that 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 yeah. that, that, that that go on and you know again like i was <laughs> We got rid of Aunt Jemima. Liberalism got, you know, like 50 years from now, like liberals are going to be like, don't you forget, it was us liberals that got rid of Aunt Jemima, you know. Honestly, you you know, so crazy, like I have a sort of a policy that it takes a lot for me to to go after a black dude in public um, (laughs) unless, unless, unless. That black person is Tommen or Coonan. I, I I just I can't I can't not speak up when you're doing something that just blatantly goes against us. Like if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. But when you go out and you just do something that just basically goes against black people, bro, like it just straight up does. And to come out and sell this policy as any for anything than what it is on TV, bro, like that shit is self destructive. You understand? Yeah. What I'm saying like um it like this is not the same as saying Beyonce's greedy because she sells her music for money. I'm sorry, this ain't the same thing at all. Like, not even close to that. This is just straight up self-destructive behavior. So I'm not mad at going after this fool, man. Yeah. Anyway, that that's our show for today, man. Uh, make sure you guys become patrons of Count the Dings and TMBS. Of course, make sure you subscribe into the Bomb Feed, Naima's new show, The Wednesday Sermon. Of course, uh, Black Opinions Matter Mondays. Of course, the Friday Mailbag. And of course, Nando Vila. Let's pot it out his, his incredible entourage pod. Make sure you're subscribed and listening to all of those things, man. Um, I've actually... Worked up um, a Counter Dings T-shirt that we're gonna drop at the end of the month. Coincided with the the NBA coming back, and we're gonna um, make sure we do a charity give back with that as well. That we're gonna be rolling out pretty soon. I've worked pretty hard on that. Shout to my homie Roya Vega um, for helping me co-design that. I think people are gonna, nice. be, gonna be really interested um, when they see this shirt. Uh, so just be on the lookout for that. We'll be back next week, man. We'll see you guys later. We out.